1: Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, with Tony Maradero. No, 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 no. It's with me, Matt O'Han. The Sickest Montreal Canadian Podcast. And
0: now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang
2: from the rafters of the famous Forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley
1: Cup! Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group, driven to be different. 8.6 beer, intense by nature, and Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. It's gonna be sick.
0: Happy Friday night, everyone. I'm Matt O'Han. No, you don't have the Italian stallion Tony Marinero tonight, as we announced yesterday. I'm taking over the Fridays, so you have me, the Hebrew Hammer. And you'll notice that uh, that handwriting at the top, Matt O'Han. That I did not write that. That is my handwriting is chicken scratch compared to that. Anyways, uh, busy week in sports. Busy week for the Habs. You know they played. They only played two games, surprisingly. But Carey Price spoke to the media. We had a trade this week, albeit a very small one, a minor league deal. Tonight, we got the World Series. The Houston Astros were up 5 nothing. Philadelphia Phillies coming all the way back, tying it up 5-5. Someone else. Who's had a busy week, by the way, sick, pro, uh, sick podcast brought to you by Energy Transportation Group, and it is a leading full service logistics provider serving all of North America driven to be different. Also brought to you by 8.6 beer intense by nature, the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. So before I interrupted myself, also having a very busy week from the Montreal Gazette. He joins us live from St. Louis, Mr. Stu Callen. Stu, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing just fine. I'm doing just fine. The travel uh, not beat you up too bad over to St. Louis?
2: No, it was pretty easy. Actually, I flew yesterday through Chicago and the Canadiens practiced today at the Blues uh, practice facility, which is about a 25-minute well, drive outside of St. Louis out in the suburbs. Uh, yeah, so it's been good. So I want to start I want to start there. Let's start with what's
0: coming up before we get to earlier in the week. Uh, You said the Canadians practice today. Yesterday they had a game uh, they won in Buffalo, which is a great result for them. Brennan Gallagher, two goals. What what did you notice that was different from yesterday's game to practice today? And I guess I want the question I'm leading into is I want to start with is
2: Mike Hoffman still on that top line? Well, Hoffman, today there wasn't really more or less line setups. There was different drills they were doing in that. But it looks like he is. I mean, you have to think they're showcasing him at this point and they want to trade him. Um, That would explain what they're doing with him right now. He struggled since the start of the season, at least putting up points. Um, There's still some question marks. Slavkovsky practiced today using a full contact jersey. I have. Don't know if he's going to play. We haven't heard yet if he's going to play on Saturday. There's no morning skate tomorrow. They've canceled the morning skate for Saturday, so we won't find out until about 4 o'clock tomorrow when Marty St. Louis uh, speaks with the media. Uh, but with Hoffman, you know they've had him on the power play. They've had him on the number one line. Um, they're, he's not part of the future of this team moving forward. That's pretty obvious. I think he even knows that. So I think they're trying to showcase him and see, uh, put him in positions where hopefully he can succeed for them, and they might be able to get something in return. I know the last game at the Bell Center, there were a ton of scouts there. Uh, Curtis Lasician, the Colorado Avalanche scout, I think uh, he's racking up a lot of Marriott points in Montreal, I think he's been at almost every game since the preseason started I don't know if that's who they're looking at or who they're looking at, um, but it'll be interesting to see as this moves forward um, Ken Hughes wants to move, move guys like Hoffman and some of those older guys with uh, a lot of money on their contracts and open up spots for some of the younger players so we'll see what happens uh, over the next little while here
0: yeah, and I guess it'll it'll come to that point eventually when we see bodies start moving out of the uh, off the team into new cities, and I, I guess. That's kind of maybe a calming message for Canadians fans listening right now, because you know a lot of them are getting frustrated seeing guys like Hoffman and like Dadanov that have been uh, you know scrutinized under because of their recent performances being in the lineup and guys like Rem Pitlick who are younger and just signed fresh contracts and being out of the lineup
2: well they have a they, these guys have a plan, and the thing is that Jeff Corton. Kent Hughes, Martin Saint Louis, Jeff Molson too—they're all on the same page. Like this is all about building this team for the future and moving guys like Hoffman and Dadenov, and that is part of it. And you know, um, that's what they're looking at. They're trying to, to see get as much as they can in return. Kent Hughes has already said that uh, he wants to get another first-round pick next year. If Sean Monahan keeps playing the way he's been playing, uh, he might be a guy that they can get another first-round pick for next year. But it's—they—they they have a plan, and there's—it's. There, it's fun to watch and Canadians fans can get upset though, Why is Hoffman on this line? Why is that enough playing? Well, they have a reason for it and they've been very open, this management team about what they're, what they're looking at. They want their young players to play and develop. Uh, look at the, the ice time that the young defensemen are getting right now. Part of that has to do obviously with the injuries to Edmondson and Matheson, but you know, even with Slavkowski, people are upset. Oh, why is he on the fourth line? Marty St. Louis started off as a fourth liner in the NHL. Marty doesn't want to rush guys and put them into positions where they're going to fail. Slavkowski has said he's going to be a power play guy in the future, but right now he wants him to sit on the bench and watch the power play. He's been injured the last couple of games, which has obviously not helped him as far as development going forward. He looked good at practice today. I'd be surprised if he doesn't play uh, uh, tomorrow against St. Louis again, we won't find out until about four o'clock tomorrow afternoon, but it's been a long time since the Canadians have had a plan moving forward for the future. And this is a rebuild, whatever. No, they don't like using that word rebuild retool, whatever, but it is a rebuild. Um, and so far they've made a lot of good moves moving to, uh, to, to make this team better moving forward. And when the season started, who thought they would have been four and four after eight games? It took them 15 games last year to get their fourth win. So, so far everything's looking good. And I think people just need to, we're getting upset like a Hoffman, you said, or that. And off just get to look at the big picture. And that's what uh, Jeff Gorton and, and Kent Hughes and, and Marty St. Louis are doing. They're looking at the big picture. They don't expect this team to be a really good team this year. Uh, There'll be moves made at the trade deadline, if not before, that are going to make this team not as good right now or not as good this season, similar to what happened last year. But there's a plan moving forward. And so far, to me anyway, I'm impressed by what this new management team has done and the way Marty St. Louis is coaching this team.
0: Yeah, and I read your uh, column this morning in the Gazette and you spoke a lot about Martin St. Louis and you know, specifically about Caden Gooley has just been off to a fantastic start to his NHL career and Jordan Harris, and it was all about calculated risks. So did did they give any specific examples of these calculated risks that they've, you know, been teaching, that Martin St. Louis is teaching them about and what the right risk to take
2: is? He wants, well, first of all, Caden Gooley and Jordan Harris, apart from being very good hockey players, are very smart guys. They're really impressive. It's hard to believe they're 21 and 23. I believe their ages when you talk to them. They're, you know, before the start of the season, Rob Ramage said that if uh, Jordan Harris wanted to be president of the United States, he probably could, and he probably could. He's, he's just a really smart kid on and off the ice. And Gouli's the same way. They play smart on the ice, but they just they they don't want them to make the safe play all the time. They don't want them to just chip it off the glass and get it out. They want them to look for open lanes. They want them to move uh, uh, forward. I spoke with Kovacevic, and I mentioned that in my column today. And he spoke about a game last week uh, where he came up, the, came up through the neutral zone with the puck, and he bounced it off the boards. As he said, not a not a horrible play, but the safe play. We got to the bench, and Stefan Robita said there was an open seam. You have to look for the seam. Second period, he had a similar play, did the same thing, chipped it off the boards, the safe play, which a lot of young defensemen want to do because they don't want to make that big mistake, right? Got back to the bench and Robita again said to him, the lane was there, you got to look for the lane. Later in the game, came up the same play, you saw Brandon Gallagher breaking up the middle, through a lane, he hit him with a pass, he went in and had a scoring opportunity. Go to the game in Minnesota, same type of play, Kovaceva comes up, he makes sort of a blind pass into the middle, picked off, they go down, Minnesota scores the winning goal. So that's calculated risk. So he, he made a mistake there. But the thing with this coaching staff is they don't penal, they don't punish guys for one mistake or two mistakes. If, if as Marty St. Louis says, if it becomes a trend and they keep making the same mistake over and over and over and over again, we have to sit down with guys and work with them. But everybody makes mistakes. It's a game of mistakes. And as my columnist, it's a game of mistakes and it's a game of calculated risks. So they're teaching these young players, especially the young defensemen, don't always look for the safe play. You have to take some risks sometimes. But they have to be calculated risks. And you're going to make mistakes and don't worry about it. When you make a mistake, we're going to sit down with you afterwards, explain to you what the mistake was, show you some other options, and move forward. If they keep repeating the same mistake over and over, then it's a bit of a problem. But for so long with the Canadians, I think they've killed the confidence of so many young players, forwards and defensemen, just because they played scared. They were terrified of making a mistake. Marty St. Louis has the bonus right now. You know, Dominic Ducharme last year after coming, winning, going to the Stanley Cup final, they, they still wanted to win so he had less of a, a leash i guess or or he didn't have the same tolerance for guys making mistakes as marty st. louis has but this entire management team is on the same page now so right from the top right from jeff molson all the way down they're willing to live with the mistakes these young players are going to make but they don't want them to always make the safe play and that's really going to pay dividends i think moving forward for this team sick podcast also
0: brought to you by lacage if the last time you went to lacage was when the habs won the cup it's time you go back the menu will surprise you. Also, if you've been there the last time the Habs won the cup, not to make you feel old, Stu, but I wasn't even born. So um, nice <laughs> sorry about that. Um, so uh, you ta- so you talked about Kate and Gooley, and you talked about mistakes in that in that column. And, you know, even before you ro- I feel like if I was in your if I was in your position, I would have written. Something pretty similar because, you know, you saw that last night. Caden Gouli makes a mistake on Jeff Skinner in the second period. Granted, a fantastic move by Mm -hmm. Skinner and a great finish. It's a goal scorer's goal. And then, you know, shift off, talk to Stefan Robida, talk to Martin St-Louis on the bench. The next period guy rips a shot that uh, you know i don't think he even thought he could shoot the puck that hard so i think it's just really refreshing for the players to to play under like you said play under a staff like that that you know you don't have to worry too much about making the bad play as long as you're going to make
2: up for it down the road well refreshing is a good word i mean look how deep into the offensive zone ghoulie was when he scored he was down you know by the the hash mark by the faceoff circle and what a what a shot <clears throat> there's a game the previous game, I think it was the previous game, it was Jordan Harris and Kovacevic both pinched at the same time. They were both in the slot. But the wingers came back and, and backed them up. So as I said, they're all on the same page, not only the management, but also the players. They, they, they want the defenseman to pinch. You see how often the defenseman pinch now, whether it's to try and keep the puck in the offensive zone or when there's a scoring opportunity to, to push forward. Um, you know, We saw uh, Jack Guy the other night. You know, He had a place where he came in as a trailer late. Nick Suzuki threw a pass back, and he sort of tried to play it off his skate Missed it. They went down the other ways against Minnesota. Minnesota scored. It was a, it was a mistake by Jack. I. you know, he probably pitched in a little too much. He didn't anticipate the pass. It wasn't a great pass from Suzuki either. It was a mistake that resulted in a goal, but he wasn't nailed to the end of the bench for the rest of the game. He went out and he played well the rest of the game. Jack I had a pretty good game after that. And he said in the first, after the first period, he sat in the locker room and just told himself, okay, get over this. And he, he, at that point he said, I need to simplify things maybe a bit. So there are times we're talking about those calculated risks. So there's nights when maybe you're not having on top of your game. That's going to happen in an 82-game season. So there's, those are the nights maybe you don't take as many calculated risks as you would on another night. When you have everything going, you will. But it's, it's – you know Jordan Harris, if you're in that column I wrote, he had some really great – he said it's a mature way of looking at the game is the way he said that Marty St. Louis teaches it. They want to you know, make the puck through the work. And uh, as Jordan Harris said, he says, Marty Louis says, every mistake is correctable. Everything you do wrong, we can fix. Don't worry about it. And I go back to last year when Jordan Harris first got called up by the Canadians. And he said Marty Saint-Louis told him, "You're going to make three or four mistakes every game. Don't worry about them. You're going to want to have them back, but you can't. You're going to learn from them." And Jordan Harris told me what a what a weight off the shoulders that was. For imagine a kid coming from university hockey, playing for the Canadians. You're so it's hard enough to play hockey when you're not nervous at any level, whether you're a kid or an old timer, whatever level you play or whatever you do, when you're nervous, you're going to make more mistakes. And he said that was such a weight lifted off his shoulders, having Marty St. Louis tell him you're going to make three or four mistakes a game. Don't worry about them. We're going to fix those mistakes. Play your game. That's the thing with Marty St. Louis. Play your game. These guys got to the NHL because they're talented hockey players, all of them, even guys in the fourth line are talented hockey players. Play your game. Play to your strengths. Play to your skills. Take calculated risks. Don't worry about it. We're going to teach you from the mistake. So there's so much teaching going on now with this Canadian's team compared to in the past. Uh, Adam Nicholas now is their, their skills coach or their player development coach. You see him on the ice before practices, after practices. Slavkowski's talked about how much he has helped him looking at video, both of himself and other players in the NHL with similar builds and similar styles to him to try and improve his game. I think that's one reason why they've kept Slavkowski with the team is they want him with the coaches they have here, he continues to progress, or at least before his injury, he was continuing to get a little better every game. As long as he does that, I think he's going to stay here. So, there's a lot, as Marty said after the game of the other night, they don't judge the result. The result isn't everything. Whether the Canes win or lose every game is not the main thing for them this year, it's how these young guys are developing and if they're playing well. And we saw that in Buffalo with Sam Montabo, he another guy, he played great, he had a great game against Buffalo. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm happy you went there because, you know, there's they're making those calculated risks as you as you put them in your column. But also, I feel like it's not only when you have the support from the coaching staff, but when you have your support from your teammates, namely your goalie, who's going to stand on his head like Sam Maltenbo did last night, you know, you're it adds that extra level of confidence to your game. And I mean, just nothing but positives and nothing but good things to say about so far for Jake Allen and Sam Montembeau really stepping in and uh, stepping up to the plate in the absence of Carey Price.
2: Yeah. Well, Jake Allen spoke about Sam Montembeau today. And, you know, you remember last year, the, end, the last half of last season, Sam Montembeau played with a pretty serious wrist injury. It was his right wrist. He had mm-hmm. required surgery after the season, but the Canadians are in a situation where Carey Price obviously wasn't there. Jake Allen had been hurt. Also, he had groin issues. Every time they called up Caden Primo, he looked sort of like deer in the headlights in the NHL and showed that he wasn't ready. They needed somebody to play. And Montembeau was willing to suck it up, play through pain, play through the wrist injury. Uh, Some nights he didn't look good. He got shelled a lot of nights with a lot of shots. uh, But he played through it. And Jake Allen spoke today about that's that's a reason why the Canadians rewarded him with a two-year one-way contract this summer after he had the surgery. A million dollars whether he plays in Montreal or in Laval. He, he took, actually he took more than one. He took a a few for the team last season yeah. when they went down the stretch uh, and getting him bombarded every night, but he he sucked it up. He played through the pain and the Canadians rewarded him. And I think that goes a lot with this management team. I think that says a lot to other players that were sort of a family here. And if you're willing to, to suck it up and take uh, some punishment for the team, you'll be rewarded for it. And they rewarded Sam Montembeau for it. And right now, after the game last night in Buffalo, he played really well. And, um, Seem more confident. Obviously, his wrist is better, and um, with Jake Allen there, he's a great mentor for him. Um, Montembeau's going to turn 26 this weekend uh, on Sunday, and Jake Allen's 32. And Jake Allen said that he really started learning the goalie position or improving when he was 29. He said that's when he sort of everything sort of started falling into place for him. So you know, when you talk about Caden Primo, he's 23. A lot of people look at him or have said that he's maybe the goalie of the future. Goalies develop a little later. It takes time, unless you're a carry Price, as uh, Jake Allen said today, with just an incredible amount of talent. Uh, it takes time for goalies to develop. So Sam Montembeau is still relatively young for a goalie. Caden Primo is really young for a goalie. Um, by signing Jake Allen to that two-year contract extension this summer, which means he has three more years left, it, it buys some time for the Canadians to sort of figure out who the goalie of the future is going to be. Is it going to be Caden Primo? Is it maybe going to be Montembeau? Uh, or they're going to have to go outside and, and draft a goalie or, or acquire another goalie in another way. But they right now, they're if Montembeau and Allen can keep playing the way they're playing, uh, it's going to be good for this team moving forward.
0: And we're we're going to stick to the goal. Is I want I want to get your take on this uh, because Carrie Price held a pretty lengthy, somewhat emotional press conference at the beginning of the week, talking about his you know his current state of health and you know the future of his career and all that. I mean, it's it seems as if the last two times we've seen Carrie Price speak, it's the most open he's ever been. And you know the way I read that, because I mean you know this better than than most, including myself he's not been that guy his entire career oh. he you know he's a man of very few words so is that you know just am I reading too much into this and in, in saying you know maybe he knows himself even though he says he'd like to play again and he hopes he can d- do you think deep down he knows that you know it's probably not going to happen for him
2: yeah I think he knows it's over and and part of him you know as I've said before, I mean, I think I don't think Shea Weber wanted to play anymore. I think Shea Weber's body was mm-hmm. so beat up, he was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I think Carey Price really did want to play again, and if he wouldn't have come back last season and played at the end, if he didn't want to, he really, what really wants to keep playing hockey. But I think he's realized he can. not but there's insurance that becomes involved now You know, on LTIR. The teams have insurance on the contracts. So an insurance company, you've know, you, you got to say you're trying to come back or you're doing your best to come back. But I honestly think Carey Price wishes he could come back and play. He'd love to come back and play. He'd like to come back playing better than he did you know, the, the games when he came back last season. But I think he also realizes it's not going to happen. He talked about how he would need that second surgery, which he said is very invasive, uh, and he's worried about it. He's worried about his quality of life moving forward with his children and whatnot so I think he knows he's done um hard to accept I'm sure but you're right I mean that's the most open um the most words Carey Price has said in any (laughs) news conference I remember he was smiling he was laughing as you said he's a man of few words he's a man of even fewer words with the media he hates dealing with the media he doesn't enjoy doing it uh he never really has but it was the most uh, at ease or comfortable i've seen carry price in a long time which was nice to see with everything he's gone through uh you know he came out uh, the next day i believe it was with Arpen Bass basu the story in the athletics saying that his issues he had were with alcohol when he went into the nhl nhlpa player assistance program <clears throat> so it's a lot for him going on right now looking at a career being over never wanted the stanley cup the one thing missing for him dealing with his alcohol issues Now he's back at home. It's a total change in life and lifestyle for him. So for me personally, I was just happy to see him being happy. Like he seems to be happy and content where he is. You know, he was at the Alouettes game with his family there a couple weekends ago or last weekend. Um, So he he seems to be in a good place right now. Um, And I'm I'm happy for him for that.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I just want to bounce this off you because, you know, a, a lot of new Canadians fans. I, I would put myself in that range because you know once Carrie Price came into c- came into the organization, that's when I really, as a fan of the team, started seeing success in the organization. Because you know I'm, I'm growing up, uh, you know in 1997 I was born. That's the start of some dark years for the Canadians. You know yeah. I, history didn't start with my age, and I know that.
2: <laughs> yes, my five, I've told this story many times, the five years I went to high school, the Canadians won four Stanley Cups. It was an annual event where you skipped the uh, school one day to go to the Stanley Cup parade. Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, I'm even sure schools even counted that into the schedule
0: <laughs> when they were when they were planning out the curriculums. But, um, you know, in, in your eyes, what was the, you know, the shining moment for Carey Price as a Montreal Canadian? You know, of course, he went to the Stanley Cup final, but there were no fans. Eh, limited fans in the building. What what do you think was his shining moment uh, as a Montreal Canadian?
2: I still think it was this that getting to the Stanley Cup final uh, a couple of years ago because when we know now how beat up his knee was and how damaged he was, and he was asked at that news conference, you know, how did you play through it? And he said, I basically bit on the stick and sucked it up. So to play at the level he did, both he and Shea Weber, to play at the level they did with the injuries they were, is, is quite remarkable. I mean, there's, the Canes don't get to the Stanley Cup final without Carey Price. I go back to game six of the first round against Toronto. They got outshot 13-2 to two in overtime and they won. Now, one of those shots goes in and the Canes are eliminated in the first round. And probably a lot of things change. Maybe Mark Bergevin is fired right away or died, like mm-hmm. a lot of things might have changed. But Carey Price stood on his head in that overtime period. I remember watching that. They were playing, just playing the four defensemen excuse me, the four Clydesdales, as Luke Richardson called them, over and over. And you could see Ben Sherrod and Petrie and Weber, and they were just exhausted. They could barely get the puck out of their end. And Carey kept making these saves and making these saves, and then they got a chance down the other end, and they scored and they won. They won to the Stanley Cup final. So for me, that's the thing for me personally. I understand there were the fans. There wasn't the reaction in, in, in the Bell Centre. I no. uh, mean, just what he was able to do, now that we know the pain that he was playing with and the damaged knee that he was on it's 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 really remarkable and you know the, the only thing missing from his resume is a Stanley Cup uh he mentioned one of the thing interesting things he mentioned at a press conference is that he still wants to win one even if it's not as a player uh leading to believe he'd like to mm-hmm. stay in hockey in whatever capacity uh that might be but he has a, the Canadiens franchise record for games played. He has it for a goalie. Canadians franchise record for wins by a goalie, playing for some bad teams for a lot of years. You know, if he had played in the glory days, of, I was talking about back when I was in high school with Gila Point and Sarah Savard and Larry Robinson in front of him, he would have won some Stanley Cups too. So, you know, you look at what he did with the Olympic team when he was, you know, he obviously had great defensive in front of him, but he was outside. Oh, yeah, I mean, so the, the fact he doesn't have a Stanley Cup on his resume to me, um, He's obviously like to have one, but that, to me that doesn't define who Carey Price was as a goalie. He was the best goalie uh, of that generation. Uh, he had some ups and downs like all goalies but you know they used to do that NHLPA player poll every year and they would ask who's the who's the best goalie in the NHL and all and it was like 85% of the players would say Carey Price.
0: Yeah, and you know you mentioned the the Stanley Cup thing. I feel like a lot of people my age or around my age that just haven't seen the 1993 team everyone you know born Mm -hmm. 94 and and onwards uh you know we kind of get annoyed when we hear you know the the people who have been around for those cups and and you know they take that stance of oh well he's never won a stanley cup he's never won Mm -hmm. a stanley cup you know we kind of got annoyed at that and you know we, we the classic thing i always say is it's harping too much on the past. You know, that's not going to happen again. There were six teams in the league when they won most of those. And then, and you know, and then I was in the building on, uh, when the, when Josh Anderson scored in game four and forced that game five. And I was, I was there as a fan. I cheered. And, And when Josh Anderson scored that goal, it clicked in my head like i got it i got mm-hmm. the whole mysticism around the team and around those older teams because there's nothing there's quite n- really nothing like it in
2: in north american sports in my yeah. opinion at least we'll so um, go back to that Stanley Cup final too the Saint-Jean-Baptiste game when i think it was a it was a Leckon who scored the winning goal yeah that's Where right yeah outside the bell center was just crazy i mean it was just insane so for you guys who don't never saw what a Stanley Cup parade was like that was to me, the probably the closest you guys have ever come to it, experiencing it, was that atmosphere outside the Bell Center for because for me, <clears throat> someone who saw a lot of Stanley Cup parades back in the day, that was that really that I was like, wow, this is really something else. So I want to get back uh,
0: to the current team uh, as it is, the players on the ice. That I, I should say, you know, they went two and two, the, uh, one and one this week. Excuse me, uh, a loss against Minnesota, a win against Buffalo. The team's four and four. I mean, I don't think anyone expected that at this point in the season. Oh
2: no, especially um, not with Paul Edmondson and Mike Matheson out.
0: Well, well, that's it. And you know, logic would dictate that they're only going to get better when those guys come back. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, I mean, the the classic line that Bob McKenzie always throws out is, "You know, you are what you are by American Thanksgiving." Well, there's 12 mm-hmm. games till then uh, for the Canadians. I guess it's too early to say are they a 500 team, but I guess I'm going to throw it at you anyways because are they a 500 team and if they're not when's this I don't want to call it magic cuz nothing crazy is happening um but when's this you know this jump in their step going to
2: fizzle out cuz it is an 82 game season I think 500s a realistic expectation for the team I don't know if they'll get there you know as I mentioned earlier there's going to be trades made at the trade deadline or before then that will make them better in the future not necessarily better right now a lot depends on goaltending. You know, if Jake Allen gets hurt, we are going to have a hard time being a 500 team. Mm. Uh, but I think it's a realistic expectation now. I, I probably wouldn't have said that at the beginning of the season. But, you know, you see Jordan Harris and, and Kayden. I mean, Kaelin Gooley is playing over 20 minutes a game. Not only playing over 20 minutes a game, he's playing those 20 minutes against the other team's best line. <laughs> He has David Savard as his partner, and no knock on David Savard. David Savard's been fantastic for Caden Gould. Every time you talk to Caden Gould, he always mentions David Savard and how much he's helped them on and off the ice. But David Savard's not really a top pairing defenseman, and neither you would think Caden Gould, at 21 years old, you wouldn't expect him to be a number one the pairing defenseman, either. But he's shown that he probably is. <laughs> you know, he's the proof's in the pudding. He's he's played monster minutes. He's He's been really effective offensively and uh, uh, defensively. We saw the goal last night. So it's really a bright future when you look at uh, this team on defense with him and Harrison. I mean, and Jack Eye, like Arbor Jack Eye, who who would have thought this kid would be <laughs> playing the way he's playing? I mean, you know, we all knew he was tough. We all knew he could fight. Uh, you know, he, uh, Matt Cassian, I'm sure, has never been ragdolled in his life in a hockey fight until he fought, uh, fought Jack Eye. But he's much more than that. I mean, he, he can move. He moves for a big guy. He can move the puck. He makes smart decisions with the puck. Uh, I think he's got a pretty good shot, too. I think we're starting to see the shot coming more and more also. He's good at walking the line and getting the puck through. So there's a lot of reason looking forward for this team to be optimistic. With you know, Going into the season, everybody thought, okay, goaltending and defense are going to be the biggest concern. They're probably not going to have a big problem scoring goals. Well, they've had more problems scoring goals than they have playing defense. The defense has been really good. The goaltending has been solid. Uh, it's only eight games, like you said, but there's reason for optimism. And as I said before the season started, if you had said, if you had asked me if I thought the Canes would be a 500 team, I'd say no. Right now, I think it's a possibility. And uh, just a couple more for you before I let
0: you go and go enjoy uh, some nightlife out in St. Louis. Um, one of the questions uh, from one of our from one of our viewers came in. It says, "Hi, Stu. Hi, Matt and Stu. I love the line of Anderson. Um, uh, and- Andy. Well, it says." really Andy Devo and galley last night. Do you think uh, Martin St. Louis will keep them together for a bit? I I think so. I think they look good and it's kind of hard when, you know, like you said, off the top, they're trying to showcase Mike Hoffman. So that's the reason why he's at the top there. Um, But, you know, I had hopes for Anderson to be that top guy, but I think they found something with that line.
2: I think they have and Anderson. You know, there was a lot of talk about him playing with Suzuki and Caulfield, but Anderson's sort of a straight up and down player. He's he's, Hard, goes hard to the net. I don't think he has the no knock in, him, but I don't think he has the same hockey IQ as Caulfield and, and Suzuki have. A lot of players don't. Uh, Sean is a really smart hockey player. That's why I think that you know uh, Marty St. Louis had him playing with them. Uh, but yeah, that line you're mentioning, I could I could see that sticking together. But like in today's hockey, lines don't stay together that long. Mm-hmm. It seems you know you lose a game, they move guys, guys get hurt, things happen here. You know, He got hurt, he's out of the lineup. Um, so will they stick together? Yeah, but, I mean, it's rare now you see lines stick together for more than, what, like, five, six games, I would say.
0: Yeah, that's uh, unless, uh, unless of course, you know, you're Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak, and Well, that's uh, true. Yeah, that's true, yeah.
2: <laughs> that's <laughs> the only one. At some point, I think we'll see a line with Caulfield, Suzuki, and player to be named later that will be together for a while, and they're still trying to figure that one out. But th- for me right now, Sean Monaghan is a good fit with those two guys.
0: And uh, last one for you, because,
2: I, I mean, we've gone this
0: far without mentioning him uh, too much. Well, who's Cole Caulfield? I mean, he's the goals. I'm not sure what the math is on what his uh, projection is. But uh, what's a realistic number for this guy now that it's, you know, we're eight games into the season and he already has five goals?
2: Yeah, I'd be surprised if he doesn't score 30. And I mm-hmm. think 40 could be a possibility. But I'd say a realistic goal for him would be 30. All right Stu
0: well uh, I'll uh, let you go for now so uh, go enjoy a beer for uh, go enjoy a beer for me and uh, enjoy that live music out in St. Louis. All right thanks a lot have a good one All right thank you very much to Stu Cowan of the Montreal Gazette The sick podcast is brought to you also in part by sportsbuffshop.com you see the sick sweater This is a sick sweater. Also, we have Matt O'Han cash phrase tees. I haven't thrown any out at you yet, but I have a feeling in the next season uh, or in the next segment, I will. So shop all your sports license lifestyle apparel, including hoodies, caps, and tees of your favorite teams and all major leagues, as well as our own sick merch at sportsbuffshop.com. Use the code SICK10. For ten percent off all their items. Um, I was going to give you an update on the World Series, but you know it's—they're uh, showing a replay right now, and I've been interviewing Stu, so I'd, I haven't—I haven't had a chance to look. But uh, it's Friday, which means we're two days away from the best day of the week. Thank God it's football.
1: T G I F. Thank God it's Friday. It's also football with matt o'hea
0: hooks a pass wide open chase touchdown bengals so our next guest uh will not be a fan of this jersey we're proud at the sick family to welcome andy mcnamara of uff sports who will be doing a cleveland browns podcast for us andy how are you doing
3: Matt, doing good, my man.
0: Yeah, well, I've seen a Bengals
3: jersey coming in. I don't know what's going on. I, well, I, 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 I don't to, like I, it.
0: <laughs> listen, I had to throw you off right off your game because, you know, you saw the sweater and that's the magic of, uh, it's the magic of TV right there. That's right. So that's right. Um, now, I mean, I just want to get this out of the way off the bat because, you know, you heard the intro. You heard yeah. Iron Eagle say touchdown, burrow to chase. I'm a bit somber tonight. We'll get to that a little later. Uh, let's talk about last night's game. First and foremost, the Ravens, they go into Tampa Bay. They beat the the Bucks 27 to 22. I mean, I don't know. This game was, you know, before the beginning of the season, you'd think this is one of the best games of the year. And uh, with the way the season's been going for both these teams, frankly, uh, kind of a dud. It ended up being, uh, I guess, an entertaining game at the end. But uh, yeah, I don't know what your take on was that. Uh, like Baltimore, I'm not impressed.
3: No, no, I I guess first of all, I'm I assure you I'm not being interrogated. The way the
1: <laughs>
3: the pot lights in the basement. Okay, full disclosure, my my studio is upstairs. The kids are asleep. I'm in I'm in the dungeon here. I'm in the basement. So I got the hot lights on me. I feel like I'm you know under under the pressure here. So that's why I'm a little <laughs> a little washed out. But <laughs> but listen, Matt. You're absolutely right. It was weird. We never expected it was, okay, well, Tom Brady's not going to lose three in a row. Come on. How many times? He's got the boulder chip on his shoulder. He'll figure it out. Well, he didn't figure it out. And the Ravens didn't look great either, but they got the win. And we're seeing in this AFC North, every single win is crucial. Like There's only going to be one team out of this division that makes the playoffs. I truly feel that. And it's going to be the winner of that division. So the Ravens didn't play anywhere close to a perfect game. But they got it done. The one thing that I'm interested to to see going forward, Mark Andrews, that's a second game in a row where he didn't do much. Now he left with an injury, granted. but I, I wonder how that develops because if you take that away from Baltimore from Lamar Jackson and Bateman's out too now, uh, that's a concern if you're not going to run the ball
0: well, that and you know that's where I wanted to go next because at the beginning of the season, you know, we, we knew Lamar had his contract. Uh, it's up for renewal at the end of the year. He bet on himself, didn't take the the contract that the Ravens offered him. And I, I, you know, I talked to a and Sammy before almost every, before every show, we always almost talk football. And especially last night before last night's show, I, I said to them, I mean, this guy, Lamar Jackson, it just seems like with every passing game, he he's throwing away dollars. I don't know if you're reading it the yeah. same way.
3: Yeah, 100%. I was, And, you know, as a Browns fan, I'm like, please, Baltimore, pay him all the money, all of the money. Put all of your cash into Lamar Jackson, who will, I, I truly feel, will be closer to irrelevant than a MVP within the next couple of seasons. Because guess what, people? Defensive coordinators in the NFL, they're really smart and they get paid a million bucks to figure you out. And if the strategy still is to get the quarterback to throw the ball, if that's the end game, you're not long to be a superstar in this league. I truly feel that. And you're absolutely right. He's throwing money away. They're still going to get paid. But if you're Baltimore, you have to think of it this way. Okay. Am I going to give this guy a five-year-plus deal at X number, hundred million bucks, whatever. And you, you bet your butt he's looking for Deshaun Watson money. Oh, yeah. Damn i think- sure on that. So if you do, okay, you have Greg Roman. That's that's fine. You build this whole offense around the run. Um You have guys like, and I don't buy the argument where, oh, he doesn't have talent around him. Well, Mark Andrews goes and gets, makes his bad passes look good by hauling him in. And Marquise Mm -hmm. Hollywood Brown, before he got injured, looked like a damn good receiver to me when he got in front of a half-decent quarterback. So you want to pay him all the money for a guy who's going to run and has got banged up last year. And we saw those injuries start to hit in. Have at it, because I'm with you. I think with every game, every pass, you start to see a little bit more of maybe why you shouldn't be bankrolling Lamar Jackson.
0: Yeah. And on the other side of the football last night, I mean, for some for some people, it's maybe a celebration for that. For me, I thought, it because, you know, it's the popular thing to hate Tom Brady. But, you know, I'm witnessing, you know, my childhood. I, I grew up watching him from the start of football. Till now watching him and, and it's kind of weird to see all those people who said this is the year that Tom Brady has done well I mean eventually you're going to be right when you say that yeah. but it, yeah I mean is is this it I mean you can never count Tom out but is that do you think this is the year where it's over for Tom
3: this really is starting to look like it and it's sad because Matt the greats rarely go out on top right look at Jordan I remember watching him at a Raptors game with the Wizards I was like That's not that's not Jordan, man. You know, Muhammad Ali at the Emmett Smith going to the Cardinals. These guys, it's almost like if you're a true star, you have to have it proven to yourself that you don't have it. Other people can tell you and you just try to use it, but you have to feel that you don't have it. And I think when you couple in the whole divorce, the personal stuff with Tom, um it just feels like, man, you know what? That's that that chip, that drive, that whatever combined with the age. It just doesn't seem to be working this time. And you're right. People celebrating Tom Brady. Oh yeah, yeah. You're you're really getting the last laugh. A guy who's got his <laughs> Super Bowl. Yeah, good, good for you. Good. He's 45. He's 45. And uh, uh, yeah, he had a bad year. Okay. Yeah,
0: you win. Sure. Come on. Yeah, exactly. He's still slinging it out there. Good and, for you. Uh, has th- yeah. He has three more fingers to fill on his other hand to uh, to fill it up with rings. It's yeah. a lot more than other people could say. So, I mean, uh, to our listeners uh, who don't know Andy, he specializes in fantasy sports. So if you got any fantasy questions... Get them in now because uh, we're going to get to those a little later. Right now, what I want to do with you is I want to go through Sunday's slate of games. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going in them in any particular order, but I want to start right here because, you know, it's interesting from a betting perspective, but also very interesting to me from a fantasy perspective when it comes to the San Francisco 49ers who are on the road in a pick'em. They're favored against the L.A. Rams. And no Debo Samuel, what does that mean for Christian McCaffrey?
3: I think for, and look, I, I love Debo Samuel, The talent. it's so exciting when he's on the field. However, if you are not, now if you're a Debo fantasy owner, obviously not good news. If you're not, it gives some clarity, I feel, at least for one game in the pecking order. Because the great unknown, and McCaffrey got, he got a little taste, a little sprinkle in into that offense. But the great unknown when he's at full go is, How is the ball going to be shared? Because you look at Debo and McCaffrey, they're both hybrids. Debo more on the receiving side, McCaffrey more on the running side, but they're both hybrid types. And that's exciting real life wise. Or for Kyle Shanahan, you can mix it. You can, you know, you throw in some Ayuk, you get some Kittle in there, you you get all your flavors. But fantasy wise, we don't know. This week, we know it's going to be Christian McCaffrey. Brandon Ayuk's value for one more week stays fantasy relevant. And George Kittle, as long as he doesn't hurt himself he seemed to cut himself shaving he's out um we know he can do it the one loser on that team and i have in one of my fantasy leagues and it's jeff wilson unless there's an injury jeff wilson you park him and he's the handcuff and you're done
0: yeah uh i did i did that in my league because uh i don't know how many leagues you're in uh how many are you in by the way five ah you beat me by one i'm in four
3: (laughs) (laughs) i usually do four i got suckered into a fifth one i usually do four but i got five yeah
0: Right. So, I mean, uh, lucky enough for me, it worked out because I had a top level, like, you know, top of the order pick in four of my leagues. Uh, sorry, three of my leagues. So I have Christian McCaffrey in three out of four. So I, I was pretty happy when he moved to San Francisco. So we'll see yeah. uh, where that goes. I mean, you know, gun to my head, I'm I'm picking San Francisco in this one.
3: Me too. Me too. If I'm taking, you know, and like you said, it's an even, it's a pick them. What I, I look at it this way when you see a game like that. What have the Rams done to give you any confidence that they can figure this out? This offense is as flat as can be, Uh, you know, Matthew Stafford, we we talk about, you know, Tom Brady and stuff. Fantasy wise, he adds nothing if he's not throwing three, four touchdowns and no picks and 300 yards, he gives you nothing else. And then all the surrounding Pete, like you've got Cooper cup as like the sure thing. You got a bit of a mess in the backfield. I have no confidence in the Rams. I'm actually surprised that the 49ers aren't favored. With that McCaffrey edition, I think that's Jimmy Garoppolo isn't going to excite anybody, but the guy's gotten you to a Super Bowl, and you know what you have. the The iffy thing with Trey Lance was you don't know how much he's going to run around, and I know what I'm getting with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going to dink his dunk his way, get you 15 fantasy points. He's going to make the pieces around him fantasy relevant. So in this game, if I'm betting, you know, depending on what the odds are in sportsbook, and, you know, money line, etc., um, I take the 49ers.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm right there with you. So let's move on to the next game that I wrote down. Uh, also, pretty big fantasy news out of this one. Chicago goes over to Dallas. They're, you know, Dallas is 10-point favorites, the latest line that I saw. No Zeke. And Justin Fields looked pretty damn good last week, didn't he?
3: He did. He, and it's nice because I'm an Ohio State fan too. So I like that Justin Fields is, is looking a, a little bit well. Um, that whole offense, though. It's just, you got, who's your, who's your guy? Who's this, who's this guy that he's, Darnell Mooney? I was never bought in on Mooney. He's done nothing fantasy wise. What are you getting? Cole Komet's a non-factor. You got David Montgomery. Okay. Like I want Justin (laughs) and I hope it happens, but uh, Chicago has a lot of work to do this offseason. They traded Robert Quinn and all that. So I hope it's a bit of a, a showcase and we see, from the Dallas side, Dak getting back into gear. And from a tight end side, boy, I want Because I have Dalton Schultz in two of my leagues. I'm P.O.ed, Matt, because that guy <laughs> banged up all year. Right? And so I, I hope Dalton Schultz and, and Dak can get back on the same page because we desperately need another fantasy-relevant tight end that's not named Travis Kelsey.
0: Oh, you're telling me. I mean, you know, just as a side note, in one of my leagues, a, a friend of mine, through the first four weeks of the fantasy season his total points that he accumulated from the tight end position was 1.7 oh. three goose eggs yeah not pretty at the fantasy <laughs> po- at the tight end position in fantasy so uh, just quickly you know the on the other side of the ball you know you, you mentioned you mentioned the Dallas Cowboys mm-hmm. um, where does the no Zeke factor play into uh, you know Tony Pollard's value this week
3: if Zeke 100% doesn't play and he's a tough guy to keep out. He's a tough guy to keep out. He'll 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 battle. Um but if he doesn't then Tony Pollard becomes an RB1. You know, we've seen him be hold some flex relevant in um just himself with Zeke in there. We saw the workload increase then get pulled back and it's it's interesting. So I really see that We'll have Tony Pollard making a fantasy impact in this game, Chicago, all over the place. Again, you lose Robert Quinn, right? That's another ding on you. Um, I think Tony Pollard is a must play smash in every fantasy league this week, even if Zeke does suit up, because it's been it's look, we're we're hitting it, heading into the weekend and still don't know. That means it's Tony Pollard time.
0: Right. Uh, the next one, I'm I'm curious about this one because this affects me personally, which is the Arizona Cardinals heading over to Minnesota, the five and one Minnesota Vikings. I mean, who except for Colin Coward could have seen this coming? Uh, Minnesota is three and a half point favorites. Uh, no James Conner. What does this mean for Eno Benjamin? Is he a love must start Is where where's he at?
3: Matt, love Eno. Absolutely love Eno, especially in PPR. DFS, He's probably his price has probably gone up a little bit more now, but uh, DFS, he was a bit cheaper if you read the tea leaves and anticipated this and got in your contest a little bit earlier. Eno Benjamin is super underrated, and he's shown in a PPR only. Standard, I'm not interested. But PPR, Eno Benjamin can carry the load to a certain degree. Now, he's not a smash mouth guy, but he's okay in between the tackles, and he can create stuff in space. So I love Eno Benjamin. He was one of my guys watching and if if he's available on waiver wires folks especially by no uh, uh chiefs or chargers this week you know you need a little flex play um i would even consider uh, you know benjamin as an rb2 this week i think mm-hmm. it's a great matchup and it's a case where you there's really uh, no other option so if you want to run the ball or get those quick outs then it's you know
0: yeah okay. okay you just made me really happy you you settled my lineup for me you settled you my gotta lineup. get him
3: that's right I um, hope
0: so uh the other one, uh Miami is uh three and a half point favorites going over to Detroit. Uh De- DeAndre Swift is finally back. Amon ra yeah. still questionable. Um what is the does this line jump out at you? Because at the beginning of the week, it kind of jumped out at me, you know, Miami, three and a half. Well, I got them at three, so I was, you know, I was over the moon. Uh, but you know, DeAndre Swift becoming back has me a little worried, but I mean, I don't know. I think the Dolphins' uh, defense uh, is up to this task.
3: Well, uh, and the thing is, too, with Amonra St. Brown, because I have him in one of my leagues as well, apparently that cue beside his name is the NFL's doing. Like, Dan Campbell is like, he never had a concussion. He showed a symptom or something. Now, believe me, it's even when Dan Campbell talks and how, <laughs> how energy – he's probably gotten a few headshots himself, you know. But apparently no concussion. He's fine. It's that – nonsense protocol I'm St. Brown good to go no worries about it and we know when that dude is in Ooh. love it the thing about the Lions they've been despite their record have been really entertaining this year like they've scored a lot of points right and they've hung in games for the most part the Patriots game was a stinker um and I guess the Cowboys went too. so the last couple but like overall they've, they've been they've been a tough out which is more you could say for the Lions before so That three three to three and a half, that Miami defense, you're right, is good. But is Tua going to be – how effective is he going to be? Because if you look at the – and that's why I tell people, don't just look at the fantasy point average. Look at those those outliers. And that six-touchdown day for Tua when he got 40 fantasy points, if you look at the rest, he's right around what Tua has been, 14, 15 fantasy points. Okay, so are they going to be able to beat Detroit by that much? I'd feel comfortable taking that. Like, I think it's a good bet. They probably win by six or six or seven. But I feel it's going to be closer than than people might think. But uh, I hope it's at least entertaining because Detroit's been bad for a really long time.
0: And I, I want to go to another uh, AFC, uh, AFC matchup, uh, AFC East matchup. And before we get to the big one, the primetime one, I want to talk about the New England Patriots' two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Against the New York Jets, the five and what two New York Jets. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm at a loss. Explain that one to me.
3: What a time to be alive. We have the Giants <laughs> at six and one and the Jets at five and two, and they're both the fakest records I've seen. and I don't know how long. but but they've gotten to this point. So is it coaching? is it confidence? Like if you look at the Jets and the Giants for that matter, th- there's nothing you really look at like, oh man, that's a five and two team. It's like, yeah, Zach Wilson, who looks like he has like toddler shoulders. It's still really that, that draft pitcher came came out when he walked out. It looked like a it was weird. It was off-putting. And so now you have now you have Zach Wilson trying to lead against the Patriots. Um I, that two and a half, man, I would take the Patriots all freaking day. I think Bill Belichick is gonna set a reminder to the Jets fans and say, don't forget, Daddy's still here. And he's going to lay a spanking on Zach Wilson. Okay. And it's going to be, it's going to be a smash mouth. They're going to try to just tough defense. And I, we are going to see a lot of Damian Harrison, Ramondra Stevenson. I think you go, you could double up on those two pat running backs in your fantasy lineup this week. So I'm taking the line and I'll take the Patriots straight up too.
0: Wow. I mean, I, it's just the one thing I just can't get over is how, you know, I understand it's the New York jets we're talking about here, yeah, but you know, they they are what their record says. There they're five and two. Give them credit. And, the the part Get that I, that just puzzles me so much is that the Patriots. You know they're starting Mac Jones, who got pulled after what two three drives last game. That's yeah. the part that puzzles me. Is you don't even know who the starter is there.
3: Bailey Zappi. Here's the thing. So I was in Cleveland for the Patriots game. So I saw the Bailey Zappi showcase. I'd be like, oh, maybe this is the next. Time. Like I guarantee, guarantee. That, that was the best NFL game that Bailey Zappi will ever have in his life. The Browns have made careers out of quarterbacks having the best games they've ever played. That's why the, uh, Roethlisberger and Flacco got rich because of, of Mike Browns. <laughs> Bailey Zappi, oh, it's Zappy time he's in. Well, what happened? Oh, he threw a quick touchdown. Not everyone was getting excited. Two interceptions. That's Bailey Zappi. If you put them side by side, I saw a great meme. It was Bailey Zappi. Looks like if Netflix made a documentary yeah. on Mac Jones, Bailey's happy with, they're the same guy. They're the same freaking guy. That doesn't yeah. impress me. So what does Bill Belichick do so well? He, he he says, okay, well, I know I don't have maybe the franchise quarterback. What do I have? Two stud running backs and cerebral. Those quarterbacks, they're not dumb. They can distribute. So you don't force them. You put them in a situation where they don't have to go and come back. And you work the defense. I think they're gonna. I think they'll beat the the Jets straight up when we start seeing a little bit of a reality check in New York.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned them. The other team, uh, New York Giants, on the road in Seattle, three point underdogs. I mean, they're six and one. At, at a certain point, I mean, you know, last week was the first time I had the courage. I mean, because granted, it was against the Jaguars to you know take to take the Giants, but you know, I I I think this team. With the way that Daniel Jones has been playing, you know, with the exception of last week, because, you know, he had 100 yards on the ground, which you're not going to get that every week, but he hasn't been turning the ball over. And I think that's the key difference in versus last year's Giants team to this one, even though obviously Saquon Barkley, ultimate equalizer there. Um, I just I I don't get this one either. I I know the Seahawks have been good. I just, you know, I'm I'm taking the Giants in this one. I'm taking the Giants. 100%
3: with you. Here's what I think the big difference is. The Giants have been horribly coached Hmm. for a long time. And Gettleman, before he got the boot, was uh, about 20 years uh, uh, too late leaving. And now you have Brian Dable, who, and we've seen before, hot shot offensive coordinators come in and fail. Well, he had the, I made Josh Allen, the Ross, I molded him out of clay. Whatever he's saying and doing, they got the confidence. They're buying in because on paper there is absolutely no way you would ever guess the Giants are six and one. They got no wide receivers. You're right. It's, Sa- it's Saquon. That's it.
0: <laughs> and they just—they just, no. just traded Canarius Tony.
3: They just traded Tony. I'm supposed to get excited over Wandale Robinson? No. But they're six and one. Now I got some numbers for you because I really like this matchup. We didn't even talk beforehand. I really like this matchup. Here's why I'm with you, and we're taking the Giants. All of us are taking Big Blue. Here's why. Seattle defense ranked 29th in total yards allowed per game and have allowed uh, the fourth most points per game. Compare that to the Giants who've given up the sixth fewest points per game at 18.6 and ranked 19th in average yards per game. The money line last I checked, I think was plus 130. Mm. I'm taking the Giants as a straight up win plus 30 over Seattle. Why? Like I like what Geno Smith has done. That's cool. They've played fine, but i think if i'm brian dable i'm using this as bulletin board material look we're six they don't have any respect for you blah 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 and the giants go in and win this and you collect your cash
0: so i'm with you on that collect the cash i i'm all in on the giants at this point until they prove me otherwise and then you know <laughs> why not what's what's once i lose a dollar on them that's when you know i Dinner come time. back to earth exactly yeah. cut it cut the Done. loss right there um Okay, I'm going to teach you a lesson, A quick lesson right here. We got to do this every show we do when we talk football just to make Yellow and Sammy happy. Uh, We're not going to give this too much time because of the team they're playing. Tennessee Titans, two and a half point favorites over the Houston, Texas. I mean, Derrick Henry, what, 200 yards this game? I think I could see that happening easily. Yes,
3: yes. Smash, smash. Yeah. Don't, over, don't overthink it, Vrabel. Don't overthink it. Hand the ball off and be done. Just done now I, I will say i do think um for fantasy the defense the tennessee defense was widely available earlier in the week that is a terrific dst play uh mm-hmm. and on the houston side the only guy we're interested in at all until further notice is damian pierce that's it that's it there's, yeah. there's no other topic with the houston type. it's damian pierce and that's it
0: and then brandon cook's fantasy owners who are just praying Prayed he gets them. traded just Prayed. praying he gets traded to another team
3: Davis Mills experiment that was cute for a couple games last year. Come on, come on now, right? Let's let's be you use my Browns all the first round freaking picks we gave you. Yeah,
0: yeah. and go
3: get a quarterback.
0: Don't off. worry, we're 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 gonna get to that game uh, because we got some. Th- I'm sure we both have some things to say about. Oh. And you've got ammunition against me. I won't forget about last year. You got ammunition. We got um, nothing right
3: now. I got Jacoby Brissett. That's what I got. I got nothing. Yeah, I got nothing.
0: <laughs> well, so. Um, uh, I'm going to throw this one at before we get to that game, because I don't think really, I'm sorry, uh, Washington commanders fans and Indianapolis fans. I really don't think anyone cares about that game. Um, so we're going to talk green Bay and Buffalo. I, I mean, again, one of those games, the beginning of the year, you think, wow, this is, this could be game of the year. Yeah. Not so much anymore. Buffalo are 11 point favorites, but I don't know. I, I, I have this strange feeling, not that, the, that Green Bay is going to win, but you know Aaron Rodgers is a gamer, and he—you think you are po'd? He's po'd. He's right. po'd big time. Right. Uh, I think this game is a v- very much closer than a lot of people think.
3: I always get nervous when you see double-digit spreads. Mm. That that uh, you know, because even if you're bad in the NFL, that that's still tough to do. Uh, however, Aaron Rodgers has been bothered aggravated agitated since training camp what's it got him got him a three and four record and they, they, they look absolutely terrible that Devonte adams departure i knew would be significant but it's like everything fell apart without Devonte adams i was like i thought he'd spread the ball around find somebody new even lean on an old guy like randall cobb who we begged out nobody like what's it just seems weird so you know what i'll say this i i, I the part of me that says Aaron Rodgers is a gamer, it makes sense. But I just feel the Buffalo Bills at home. Um this this Rodgers Green Bay Packers team, I just haven't seen anything to lead me that they're going to put up a fight. Um I hope they do from an entertainment standpoint. Dial back the clock. Let's see Allen and Rodgers duel it out. That'd be awesome. But I'll actually I will actually take the Bills to cover that 11. And it I hurt smashed I smash the 11. You know what? I'm, I'm not going to smash it. I'm just going to like, just tap just a little like sprinkle, sprinkle, just, just a little, you know, d- d- do the old salt thing, right? Just, just a little yeah. off the elbow. Uh, that's it.
0: So, uh, let's get to, I mean, this is the matchup of the week for both of us. Clearly, yes. uh, the Monday nighter Cincinnati at Cleveland, Oh, uh, Jamar chase. I mean, t- just terrible news as a fan of uh-huh. the game. That's yeah. just awful news. You know, he has the torn labrum in the hip and, you know, a fractured hip on top of it. Uh, thankfully from initial reports it doesn't seem too too bad i mean it seems we'll be able to hold it off until uh, you know surgery till the off season but uh that's a tough loss but i mean where where are you at where where's your head at i mean you know the browns are fi- are two and five but you have our number man you have our number
3: well you know what? baker had had the number my 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 poor baker mayfield with all my baker stuff i got the the uh, a little toy. I got the, sh- the feeling dangerous shirts. I got the po- now. Nah, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. I, got, you know, Baker had the number, and that's what was so interesting. It was like Baker had Baker had the number, oh, and the thing is, love or hate Baker Mayfield, the guy at least was fearless. Baker would be down, and he might throw three interceptions, but damn, he's going to keep throwing, and he'll, he'll throw a fourth one, right? The Browns at Jacoby Brissett, and here's the thing: the Browns should be five and two. Wor- worst, oh yes. So-
0: yeah, I I completely agree with you, by the way.
3: And what's been the issue? It's been the in-game coaching. The coaching has been horrific. The decision making, the game plan. You should not have Jacoby Brissett. Like, I don't blame Jacoby Brissett at all. We all know what Jacoby Brissett is. He's a good sort of back. He's a good backup. But he cannot win you a game if you're down. And they what they keep doing is putting him in situations where they have to come back. They forget about Nick Chubb. I don't know how you forget about the league leader in rushing. And you have Jacoby throw it. It's like um, uh, Kevin Stefanski, head coach, you don't have Deshaun Watson yet. Okay, He's not coming back until December. So why are you slinging it like you do? It makes no sense. And coaching decisions and bad ones at that are why this team is at 2-5. and five. And if we lose this game, it's done. And there's nothing to look forward to because the Texans, we gave all the picks for Watson. So i I don't think it's I have no confidence right now, not it's not the players. I have no confidence that the coaches will make the right game plan for the Browns to win this game because they owe, they they lose by like in the last second, missed opportunity. The Bengals know how to win because they've gotten to the Super Bowl. So I'll I'll trust Cincinnati.
0: You know, uh the pessimist in me, uh naturally as a Bengals fan, because while while we while I do we did go to the Super Bowl last year, I, I just I'm still a Bengals fan at heart, you know? Right, <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? So, yeah. I mean, the pessimist in me says, yes, they're 4 and 1 in their last 5 games. Uh, the offense was just starting to click. Now we lose Jamar Chase. And right. last year, I mean, we'll we'll count it as 1 and 0 against the Browns. I mean, uh, the Browns went 1 and 0 because the last game of the season didn't really matter for the Bengals. So, but that was a pretty embarrassing loss. I mean, I I just Something tells me you spoke about coaching on the Browns. I've been so unimpressed outside of that game against the uh against the Falcons with the coaching decisions that Zach Taylor has made. So, yeah. I mean, that's where that's where I'm at at this point. It's it's a to me this game it's a toss-up, but of course, I had to hammer the Bengals. I took out my biggest hammer, by the way, just so you know.
3: Just just yeah, carnival size. Here's the difference. You have Joe Burrow I have Jacoby percent
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you say that's, that's the it. difference, but <laughs> back to my pessimism: the, the Bengals lost to Cooper Rush. The Bengals lost to Mitch Trubisky. You know, I mean, yeah, it's just it's, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. That's why you're starting to make me, me feel better. <laughs> You're trying to make me feel yeah, so well, better. Well, listen, I'm a, I mean, I you know, I had my, before we had you on. I had my doubts. I had my doubts. I'm like, oh, this guy's a Cleveland fan. Don't know about this. But uh, you know, we we see eye to eye on a lot of things here. We're, so I, I, yeah.
3: essentially, we're, we're we're NFL cousins, right? Paul Brown started the Bengals, founded yes. the Browns, right? Can we get rid of that That's stupid it. elf for the Browns? Oh God, I hate that elf. <laughs> I hate that elf idea. so much. I hate. So that elf. Uh, I got enough problems being a Browns fan. I have to look at a stupid elf on the
0: field too. Yeah, I mean, you got you guys got like five logos. You can't even pick one. It's it's fantastic. And we have the most you
3: know, logos for a team with no logo.
0: Yeah, the most <laughs> logos for a team with no logo and the so most weird. logo. I mean, just trade in some of those logos for wins. Does that translate or?
3: Yes, please, please.
0: <laughs> um, so I mean, again, okay, so Cincinnati three three point, uh, three point favorites. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm not expecting you as a Browns fan to concede, but as an NFL guy are you taking the bengals are you taking the browns
3: if i'm taking my heart out of it as much as possible um i think the bengals win this i think they win it i think it's gonna be close though like you said like because the browns have been close in every game except for the new england game this year every game Mm. and when you you look at that it gives me no reason to think otherwise but the problem is when it comes to crunch time The Browns go with the analytics spreadsheet with a guy up in the booth telling Kevin Stefanski what plays to call. That's real, by the way. Um, And, uh, okay, well, the computers are cool, but how about what's happening in the game? And that's where the game's on the line. Both teams have big leg kickers. You know, Cade York, rookie for the Browns out of LSU. You got McPherson. That guy's awesome. I have um, his
0: jersey, by the way. Do you really? You got <laughs> yeah, jersey? Yeah, yeah That's yeah, so yeah.
3: Bengals Browns. That's such a Bengals Browns thing to do. I love it. Um, I mean,
0: just, just like just just sorry to cut you off, but it was just you know last year's playoff run was just such a insane moment for me as a Bengals fan because you know, for me when the Bengals are in the playoffs, I don't watch with anyone. I by myself, nobody in the room, and I'm watching. Yeah. Locked in on the game. Phone is on do not yeah. disturb. Nobody talked to me, and I tweeted out during the game against uh, Tennessee. I said, if the Bengals win this game, I'm buying an Evan McPherson jersey. They won the game. I had no there choice. I, I, I had to put my money where my mouth was. It's a
3: smart. It's a smart buy. Um, I, I think the Bengals win in um, in the end uh, on, on a close. You know, probably field goal. So I think that line is pretty spot on. I think the Vegas has the numbers right. That's probably how it's going to end. I'm going to be cursing. I'm going to be throwing stuff. I'm going to be upset. And the season's going to be over uh, before uh, November.
0: Well, and – (laughs) as it usually is uh and i want to thank you for coming on the Sick podcast with me uh so just why don't you tell everyone uh before i let you go uh what's what's the what's this cleveland podcast going to look like yes
3: oh man i'm so excited to be part of the sick media family i'm super pumped about it so we're starting the the sick podcast with me andy matnamara we're going to have a cleveland browns but we're also going to have fantasy football and betting so we're going to have hot picks. We're going to have hashtag Ask Andy for fantasy football. We're going to mix it all in. So we're going to have Cleveland Browns players, analysts, talk Browns, talk about all the nonsense that goes on. What's next? What do we do? But also, hey, even if you're not a Browns fan, you can tune in for that the fantasy football advice and the betting tips you need every Tuesday and Friday right here on Sick Media Network. And I, I can't wait. I'm very pumped to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm very excited for that because uh, hopefully you'll win me a lot of weeks. And if you don't, if you're wrong, naturally, I won't blame my management skills. I will blame your advice. <laughs> that's that's so, how it goes. Absolutely. That's the name of the game. That's why I always yes. tell all my friends, stop asking me. I don't want these losses on my shoulders. Yeah, If
3: you don't like the free advice, you don't go pay for it.
0: <laughs> exactly. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Andy, thank you so much for joining me on a Friday night. Uh, really appreciate it. And we'll be chatting soon in the future. I'm certain of it.
3: Absolutely, Matt. This was a lot of fun.
0: Go Browns! Go Bengals! (laughs) Hootay! Andy. Thanks a lot. All right. So, uh, thank you everyone for, uh, submitting your questions. I'm sorry. I went a little long. I got really excited. You know, it's not every day. I get to talk to a Browns fan, uh, and really give it to him with an audience. So, uh, I'll, I'm going to answer some of your football questions that you submitted. Thank you very much for them. So, uh, so and yellow, Sammy, why don't you pop one up and uh, I'll get it going. So, uh, this one's from fishing, uh, is Buffalo the favorite for the Super Bowl? I mean, phew how could they not be? I mean, there's, you know, you can make the argument that, you know, they don't have a, you know, one of those quality running backs. Well, you know, you don't need a quality running back in this league anymore. It's a passing league. And who do they have? They just happen to have one of the best passers today outside of Patrick Mahomes. I think he's the best passer. And that hurts me to say wearing a Joe, Joe Burrow, Jersey in Josh Allen. So That defense is nasty. I mean, it's just, it's really, really tough to bet against the Buffalo Bills, but I will be betting against them in week 16 when they take on the Bengals in Cincinnati. Anyways, next question. Sammy and Yellow, keep firing at me. Brian Dable, coach of the year so far. I mean, I, I, I can't see an argument as to how it can't be, how he can't be. He's just brought the Giants to a level where nobody thought they would be. And, and you know, there's people talk about the NFC East uh, as you know the worst division in football. Well, <clears throat> excuse me they they're pro- they're proving that wrong this year. I mean, they got the best combined record. It's twenty and seven, as one uh, one of our one of our viewers pointed out. So it's just it's really it's amazing what he's been doing. I mean, yeah, he has Saquon. Yeah, he has uh, he has a nasty defense, but that's the thing. You know, good teams have talent, and you know, you see it in other places. You know, we saw it in Cincinnati at the beginning of the season when they started the year two and oh, uh, oh, and two, excuse me, and they look terrible. It comes down to coaching. You can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have the right game plan, you got nothing. So, uh, I think, uh, I don't think it's too early to call him coach of the year. I think he's right up there with Nick Sirianni of the Eagles who are also undefeated and end in the same division. Uh, we got time for a couple more. So most underachieving team with the best probability of getting things turned around. I mean, Sammy, uh, and yellow, you guys are not going to like this answer. Um, the first team that comes to my mind are the Colts. Um, uh, it's for me, it's the Colts or the Rams. I, I you know, I'm just going to go with the Rams because you guys uh, signed the paychecks and I don't want to make you too angry. So uh, they're Tennessee Titan fans, by the way. So in case you haven't picked that up yet. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go with the Rams. They're, they're only three and three. It seems like the sky is falling there. Uh, but again, three and three Matt Stafford hasn't looked great, but they got Van Jefferson coming back. I know that situation situations. Uh, He's gone. He's gone. Forget about Cam Akers in L.A., but it, it just seems like that's a team they did it last year. I mean, you gotta think that they'd be able to pull it together because they got the pieces still uh, of the core of that team outside of Odell Beckham, who also went down in the Super Bowl. Uh, we'll take one more before we wrap things up. So, this one's from Twitter. With Debo out, is CMC a good fantasy play? You know, we talked about it, Andy and I, on the t- at the top of the segment, I think so. I really think that uh, this is CMC smash spot. I mean, it's going to be a CMC smash spot. He's on your team. You're going to play him. But I-, I think he has the potential to be RB one this year, uh, this week, right next to Derrick Henry, who definitely has the best chance at it, playing against that Texans D. But I think so. I think CMC is in for a big week. He didn't touch the ball much last week, as Andy pointed out. I think he had eight rushes for what, 38 yards, 48 yards, something like that, and two catches for eight yards. But he was off of what, one day of practice? The the first run of the game, I think he ran for 13 yards. I mean, the guy's eyes lit up. He's never seen holes in an offensive line that big that he could run through. So I just think uh, CMC is in. For a big, big week. The one thing going against him, he's against that Rams defense. So, thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Don't worry, Tony's going to be back on Monday. I'll be back next Friday here on the Sick Podcast. Just as a reminder, the Sick Podcast is also brought to you by Playground. Playground Poker has over 600 machines, poker tournaments, and playground casino games, daily promotions, and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes away from downtown Montreal. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend. Happy Halloween, everyone. We'll catch you next week.
1: And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6. Intense by nature. And Lakage. If the last time you went to Lakage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lakage. The menu will surprise you.